With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Glory UGA podcast. I'm Tyler, and here with me on the other end of the line is my co-host, Curtis. And before we get into our recap of the Austin P game, we do have another news update to share with you guys regarding our podcast moving forward through the rest of this season. There have been uh, some more developments on the distribution front for us, and I know this is not necessarily exciting to listen to or exciting at all to listen to, but please, guys, I'm going to try to make this as quick as I possibly can, but try to stick with us because this is important regarding where to find our show through the rest of the season, and we really want to give you guys a full explanation of what's going on behind the scenes. Uh, but first off, before we get into all those details, I do want to just say that I am flat out embarrassed, really, sincerely, uh, by having to change things so many times on all of you the past couple of months. I I know it feels like we have been just jerking you around by telling you to find our show here, then there, and now no, you can find us here. I, I know it's frustrating, and, and we are so very sorry for that. It has been an incredibly frustrating couple of months for us in regards to, to uh, distributing the show, trust me. And so I know that it has had to be frustrating for all of you guys as well. But I do hope you know, and, and, re- and I realize we say this a lot. I know that we do, but it's just, it's just true. And I, so I'm going to say it again. We are so, so sincerely appreciative of all of your continued support and are are truly just humbled by it all. It's I've said it before, I'll say it again. It's just it's weird to think. It's hard to believe that anyone at all listens to our show. Um, but I know there's a lot of you out there that that do enjoy our show and we cannot really thank you enough um, for all of your support. So you guys have been incredibly understanding, incredibly supportive and we are genuinely grateful for that. Uh, so in light of all the support you have shown us these last few months, we really feel like we owe it to you to be as transparent as we possibly can regarding what is going on behind the scenes with the distribution of our podcast. We, we just feel like we owe it to you. Uh, and by now, you've heard this. Most of you know that for the past three years, three plus years on our podcast, um, we've been distributed by Vsporto. Our show has been distributed by Vsporto on their Dog Sports Radio channel. Uh, those guys gave us a chance, and we will be forever grateful for that, for them taking a chance on us and giving us an opportunity. Our show has grown tremendously. We have basically literally started with zero listeners, and now we've grown to have uh, a really strong audience and that, that we really appreciate. But... As we've detailed before, in mid-July, we were told that Vsporto was shutting down operations, which meant for us that with just over a month before the 2018 season started, a season that we were all very anxious to get started, we were left scrambling for a way to, to continue to uh, distribute the show, to find a way to do that and also produce enough revenue to cover production costs and for it to just, to, uh, just generally make sense to continue to produce the show given the time commitment that it takes to do so. It takes a lot of time um, uh, and a lot of commitment to, to put the show on. Uh, so we started a subscription model uh, based on uh, uh, based through Podbean, and a lot of you responded so graciously to that, which allowed us to keep this thing afloat while we were working behind the scenes as hard as we could, trust me, as hard as we could, to secure a deal with another distributor so that we could continue to offer as much of the show for free that we possibly could. And all along, behind the scenes, we were keeping in touch with Vsporto. So uh, about three weeks ago, they informed us that they had secured some additional funding and were in a position to continue operations into the future. And so they asked if we, we would be willing to continue to work with them. And of course, you guys know, like we, we've said this before, and I mean it, we hate the idea of having to charge you anything to listen to the show, even if it is just $2 a month. So I mean, because we, we know money, even if it's $2 a month, money is precious. So we don't want to charge anyone anything if we could avoid it. So we were really excited to be able to offer you the show for free again. But this time around, Vsporto was cutting back, and uh, they were only willing to offer to pay us for two shows per week, which is fine. We get it, and we totally understood their position. But during the season, we've always produced three to four shows a week to cover the season as well as we could. So we did agree to produce the two episodes per week for Vsporto, and... 
So we, so everyone who wanted the free stuff, get the, the, the game recaps and the game preview shows for free. And then we would still operate our subscription site for those really hardcore diehard fans that want all the content. And we would post the other show or two per week as premium content for those subscribers. And we explained uh, this to everyone a couple of weeks ago. So we had a deal in place with Vsporto, and that deal was actually agreed upon officially on August 3rd. And we were told that they would send the papers to us to really finalize the deal, I guess, by the end of that weekend to make it official official. But that never happened. Um, then when we asked about it, we inquired what was going on. We were told that they would, oh, no, no, it's no problem. So sorry. We've been really busy. We've been a lot of caught up. We're all wearing a lot of hats. And we were told we would get the agreement papers uh, to sign by the next weekend. Well, that never happened. Then we were told, oh, it would be the next weekend. And then that never happened. Meanwhile, we went ahead, and, and this was probably, I, I'll take ownership on this one. This was probably, no, definitely, definitely a mistake on my part to say anything to anyone out there uh, about the deal until the deal was officially signed. I, I kind of got ahead of myself there, but I had a reason behind it. I, we went ahead and told you guys about the new agreement because we wanted you to know that you could only find us on Dog Sports Radio moving forward because it was still because they wanted us to have an exclusive deal. They agreed we agreed to go exclusive with them, so they could get more listeners, more hits, and be able to sell more ad ad spots and all that kind of stuff. Uh, so we we wanted to make sure to put that out there before the exclusive deal kicked in, so you guys would not try to find us on iTunes or SoundCloud or wherever, and then not be able to find us. Have nowhere no no clue where to go look. So we wanted to make sure to get that information out there as quick as we could so you guys can start kind of getting used to where to find us moving forward. We just wanted you to know that, and we wanted to be as as transparent as we could. However, as of today, sitting here on September 3rd, a month after agreeing or coming to terms uh, with Vsporto, we have still not received the agreement papers, even though they assure us repeatedly, and they're still assuring us, that they will get them to us. But that's just a small part of this. Uh, The fact is, guys... Vsporto, they owe us, they owe Curtis and I thousands, and I'm I'm not kidding, thousands of dollars in back pay. They owe us money dating back to our work from last October, October 2017. That's right. They owe us 11 months of compensation. The last payment we received was for September of 2017. Over this past year, since that time, we have been assured time and time and time again that we would be paid all of that money that we were owed only for those words to ultimately turn hollow time and time and time again. And just to be real with you guys, and look, I'm not trying to like, I'm not trying to dig for sympathy or anything like that. Again, just trying to be transparent so you guys understand why we're kind of telling you one thing and telling you another thing. If you find us here, you can find us there. I just want you guys to know why this is happening. Um, so for the past year, we've been operating this show at a net loss every single month. We've been operating at a net loss due to having to pay the overhead cost associated with producing a podcast while no revenue is coming in. Now, obviously, you're probably sitting there thinking, like, why would you continue to stay with them? And I get that. You might wonder why. Why? Why would we continue to produce content for Vsporto even though we weren't being paid as our agreement stipulated? And I, I, I really the answer to that is multifaceted. Uh, a big part of it. Is loyalty. Um, that's just kind of who I am. I'm a, I'm a loyal guy. That's important to me. Uh, those guys at Vsporto were the first ones to give us a chance. So we wanted to do everything we could to stick with them as long as we possibly could. And and I'm and I don't want this to come off like I'm tr- like I'm really trying to bash the people at Vsporto. I promise you, I'm not. I just wanted to be honest with you guys. I really do not ascribe any malicious intentions to any of the people over there. I don't think they're bad people in any way. I think they're good people doing the best they can to to write their to write the ship and, and get their company afloat. And because honestly, it, I don't see it this way. I, it's not like they're trying to not pay us. I know if they could, they would pay us. The problem is they just had a hard time consistently securing funding, and that has trickled down to us. Um, it's just an unfortunate situation. They're not bad people at all. They've all they've. They've been really apologetic about all this, and they want to pay us. I know that, um, but it doesn't make it any easier for us. Uh, and the other reason we kept producing content for them is really that we simply love the University of Georgia. If you if you listen to the show, you know that. We love the University of Georgia. We love talking Georgia sports and giving you guys some quality content to enjoy throughout the year. Uh, That's why we started this show. We, we thought there was a dearth of really good hardcore football talk, Georgia sports talk for, the, for like the diehard fan. 
all this talk out there was more ca- more more kind of centered and tailored toward the casual fan, which is good. There's there's a there's a need for that, but we wanted it to be something for the hardcore fans who who really just want that 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 die hard type nuts and bolts Georgia sports talk. Uh, so we wanted to keep kind of trying to give you guys that quality content throughout the year. And we, so we tried to hold out as long as we could with Vsporta with the hope that they could straighten out their financial difficulties. And all along, they kept assuring us. They did all along. They kept assuring us that things were just about to turn around. They're just about to turn around and that we would be taken care of. We got those words. You guys will be taken care of. Uh, now, certainly, you could accuse us of being a little naive there. Um, and there's certainly probably some truth in that. But the bottom line is Vsporta was a distributor that, if everything was working smoothly... It could allow us to offer the show to you guys for free, which is really what we wanted to try to continue to do through everything. Even if that meant that we had to go through a couple months, I eventually turned into a year of, of not getting any compensation that we were owed from them. We tried to hold out as long as we could, but unfortunately, things just have not worked out with Vsporto. Or I guess I should say at least they aren't working out right now. Uh, as part of our new agreement to continue to produce content for them that we struck on August 3rd, we were guaranteed that we would be we would be paid all of the outstanding compensation that we are owed in full by August 27th. Well, that day came and still no money. Not a dime, not one dime. Uh, I contacted their CEO and he apologized about that, but he assured me it would all be paid definitely by the following Friday, which was September 1st, this past Friday. At the latest, it'd be that day. Well, Friday, September 1st came. Friday, September 1st went and... No payment, not a dime. Uh, this time they apologized again when I contacted them, and and they just said they were working hard to get things fixed. They're so sorry. They're working hard to get things fixed, taken care of. But this time they could only say they would pay us quote as quickly as possible. So at this point, after nearly a year of working our tails off, essentially for free, we informed Vsporto that we will be holding all content until we are paid in full. Uh, and really, it's, guys, it's the only leverage that we have right now in that partnership. They keep profiting off of our show as we do ad reads for them, but they are not holding up their end of the bargain and actually compensating us. Uh, so this was just kind of like the last straw. We just didn't know what other option we had at this point when it comes to our relationship with them. But we aren't closing the door on that relationship forever. In fact, like I said, I think these these are not bad people. These are good people just trying to get things right. We sincerely hope that they pay us what we are owed. Because we desperately want to be able to offer as much of the show for free as we can. And I'm telling you, as soon as we are paid in full by them, we will again begin working with them. Uh, The problem is, I just don't know when or more importantly, if that will ever happen. I'm starting to think that it might not ever happen. And all that money that we are owed and all that work that we did was almost for naught. That we're never going to see a dime of that. Um, so yeah, it's just, so I, I hope, I hope I'm wrong, but at this point we're being told so many different times, oh, it's going to be paid here. You're gonna, it's going to be, it's going to happen here. It's going to happen here, but it just never does right now. We'd be kind of, uh, I know we've been naive in the past, but we, but we'd be incredibly naive to expect that to happen moving forward. I hope it does, but I'm not certainly not expecting it right now. So in the meantime, here is what we are going to do. Uh, the first show of every week, the game recap show will be posted on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Podbean for free to everyone, for absolutely free, that first show of every week during the season. The other shows each week, including our popular game preview shows, where we give you as detailed a breakdown and preview of each upcoming Georgia game as you will find anywhere, at least that's our goal, um, those shows will be accessed on our Podbean site with a subscription. And guys, I know you, you've probably heard us say this if you listened to this before, but we've priced the subscription as low as we possibly could, like sincerely. Uh, it's only $2 a month, and with fees and Podbean's cut they take out of it, we only get $1.34 per subscription between the two of us. So really, that's just enough to pay overhead and keep things going. Uh, as I've said before, we, we definitely are not trying to gouge anyone or get rich off this in any way. We just really honestly cannot keep operating at a loss like we have for pretty much the past year. So if you enjoy the show and want to get what we think is some good, hardcore, quality Georgia football content throughout the season and beyond, please subscribe on Podbean today. You can click the link on our Twitter profile, 
which is uh, which can be found at, at glory underscore UGA. That will take you straight to our Podbean page if you click on that link. If you're on the computer, there will be a yellow buy now button on the right for you to click on and then type in your info from there. Or if you're on a mobile site, you just have to scroll down the page a little bit and that same little yellow buy now button will be there. The whole process takes about one minute. It really is quick and easy. And you also get a one-week free trial to give it a shot and see if it's something that you want to keep long-term. So, again, we sincerely apologize for having to jerk you around like this. But things behind the scenes have just gotten complicated. It's just how it's been. Uh, So I am also sorry for being so long-winded with this. I know this has been long-winded. But uh, we just wanted to be as transparent as possible with you all because we felt you deserved it. So... Thank you for supporting us. And with that out of the way, let's go ahead and move into what everyone came here to listen to today. And that is a recap of the opening game of the 2018 season against the Austin P. Governors. Uh, and if you guys are there, you know it was a beautiful, albeit extremely hot day in Sanford Stadium. It was, it was awesome. Uh, it was really basically, with the Heat, a mash unit in the concourses. Did you see that, Kirk? People just kind of laid out anywhere and everywhere to avoid the heat. Yeah, I feel like that happens every September, really. Man, yeah, it, it, it's always hot when it's a, when it's an early day game like this, man. But I, I've never really seen it before. People are just kind of laid out everywhere all throughout the concourses. Uh, but still, as hot as though it may have been, we got to watch some Georgia football. So, at least in my book, that made it a great day. Kurt, how long did you actually survive in the sun before you guys jetted out of there? Uh, a little after halftime. A little after halftime? Yeah. I mean, look, after, I mean, you probably, if you were watching at home, you guys probably saw this. After halftime, really right before halftime, is when people started to kind of embark on this mass exodus out of the stadium. And then after halftime, I mean, shoot, man, it was maybe a third full, maybe, which I don't blame people. It was it was crazy hot out there. But uh, anyway, obviously, we, uh, we rolled to a victory. And in games like this, where we are so vanilla on both sides of the ball, and we are playing an extremely overmatched opponent, it really is difficult to draw too many definitive conclusions based on what you saw in this one setting. But I, I still think you can gain some insights into what uh, this team can be if you watch closely enough. So, Kurt, we're going to start here, kind of a big picture question. What was your big overall takeaway from Saturday's win over Austin P? Um, You had heard a lot of people talk about it this offseason, but I think the thing that stuck out to me the most was just the speed that our team truly had. Up and down the roster, almost at every spot. At least the spots where you want to have speed. Offensive line, maybe not so much. Who cares about that? But the defense looked fast for the most part, right? Very fast. And not only that, but, I mean, you had to think about our playmakers. I mean, yeah. we had talked about it. We had heard a lot about all, all of them and, you know, what we had picked up. But we had yet to see, you know, truly how fast it would be. Someone like D-Rob, all those types of players. Right. It's one of those things, like, you you, you want to believe. And you we had some – let's be real. We had some evidence to go off of – for some of the guys that were coming back from last year about how good they could be. But guys like Elijah Holyfield, him getting some uh, some more actually really meaningful snaps for the first time in his career. You're right, D-Rob coming over from the Pac-12 back to the SEC country here and what he could do. Tyler Simmons getting his first crack at a start there with Terry Godwin out. So uh, and James Cook, guys like that in there. Uh, you start to see – you get to see DeAndre Swift in the kind of lead running back role to open the game. And to me, my biggest takeaway is really kind of just to piggyback on what you said there with the speed, but just overall the, the talent level that we have on this team. Uh, I think it's pretty clear that this is maybe the most talented team we've had in the past decade. Is, is that too much of a stretch? Um, I think uh, depth-wise across the board, yes. I mean, we've always had talented players, but never at this magnitude. Yeah, and I, and I don't know if we I – mean, we don't have – obviously, we'll get to this in a little bit. We don't have a guy like a Roquan Smith. We might not have a running back like a Todd Gurley. We don't have maybe that one dude like that, but I think – like you said, up and down the roster, one through eighty-five with our scholarship, with our scholarship players, I think this is the most talented and deepest team that we've had uh, in a really long time. And I, again, I know it's hard to draw that conclusion from this one setting, but it's not the it's not the only thing I'm looking at. I'm looking at the open practice, looking at G Day, some of the guys we saw, a lot of the guys we saw last year, and then taking another step forward this year. I think it's pretty clear that this is an exceptionally talented team. And possibly even more talented than the team we had last year, despite losing some of those big names that, that we lost from last year, the guys like Roquan and Nick and Sony and Lorenzo, all those guys gone. Uh, we, we might not have the one guy to replace Roquan or the one guy to replace Lorenzo or, or Sony or Nick or whatever, but I think up and down the roster, the talent is clearly there, and I still maintain that we will be 
more talented than every team on our roster throughout the rest of this regular season doesn't mean we're going to win every game because you guys see what happens. I mean, you you saw some of this last Saturday. Uh, the most talented team doesn't always win. The most talented team sometimes makes it way too close for comfort, like with Penn State and Appalachian State. But if we play our game, we play the level that we're capable of with the talent that we have, I still say that we should win every game. Now, will we do that? That clearly remains to be seen. We have a tough test coming up this weekend. But, uh, Kurt, let's go ahead and in recapping this show, or this first week's game, let's go ahead and move into the week one position grades. And, and we're going to do this every week on the game recap show. We did this a couple times last year, but we didn't make like a weekly occurrence in the show. But we're going to do that this season. And again, like we said a couple of times, in a game like this where you're playing an overmatched opponent and where you we, where we dominate from start to finish, it's really hard not to just give every position group an A, right, Kurt? Like you just, it makes sense to just give them all A's, doesn't it? It, and it kind of does, and I get that, but I, I, honestly, like in some ways, you kind of feel like you're trying to be a contrarian to do anything other than just give every group an A. But we've gone back, and we kind of rewatched the game a couple of times now over the past day and a half, and we went over with a fine-tooth comb, and yes, while we absolutely dominated Austin P, we could have put 80-plus on this team if we wanted to. I mean, sure, we had basically walk-ons coming in midway through the third quarter through the rest of the game. So we absolutely dominated. We still weren't perfect either. Now, I don't think there's any glaring position where it's like, oh my God, this is a disaster. Uh, but I, I think there were some things to look at that we need to improve on, which I, I think we'll go over here in some pretty good detail as we go through these position grades. So, Kurt, I'm going to let you get us started here. And we're going to kick it off with the offense, and we're going to start with the quarterback unit. So, what grade would you give our quarterbacks as a whole based on what you saw in Saturday's first game? Um, I think you have to go A minus. Exactly what I, I know, have. Yeah. I think they played solid, but you know it wasn't perfect. Yeah. What did you see that wasn't perfect? Because the numbers were good. Like they they combined uh, the top two guys, Fromm and Fields, combined to go for nine. Combined to go nineteen to twenty four for two hundred twenty yards, three touchdowns, and no picks. What did you see? Because those are good numbers. What did you see that wasn't perfect? Because I agree with um, you, but I just want to hear what you have to say. My biggest knock, especially on Fields per se, is probably uh, I thought he was a little slow on his reads. He's right now, Joseph, and look, this is not a knock on him. At this stage, he should be this guy. There's no shame in this. But at this stage, from what I saw in this one game, he is still a one read and takeoff guy. Yeah, 100%. That's what, that's what, he, that's what he showed on Saturday. He, he, if his first guy wasn't there, he's taking off and he's going. And in fact, there's one play we're running an RPO in the, uh, late in the second quarter, I want to say. There's an RPO. Miko is wide open. He absolutely 100% shift, and he pumps like he's going to throw to Miko and then just takes off. Uh, he actually needed to throw to Miko on that play. And he, he ends up getting like a, a nine to ten yard gain. So it was, it was everyone in the stands like, "Oh, that's a great play." And it was a nice play. He's got good legs. Obviously, can do those kind of things. But you don't want your. This, it was the play that he took out the uh, the uh, the referee when he when he slid in the ref. Uh, yeah. You don't want it. You don't want, especially when we have two scholarship quarterbacks. You cannot be taking any unnecessary hits. And when Miko is out there wide open and he's the playmaker that he is, you already saw what he did earlier in the game. Put the ball into his hands and let him do something. Let him take the hit. We do not need Justin Fields to take that hit. He needs to throw that ball. He needs to be a little bit more decisive, and he needs to be able to go through his reads a little bit better. And I know that sounds like I'm ripping the guy. I promise you I'm not. He's he's fantastic, but he's still going to be – he's working on the, the process of going through progression, especially in a game setting. And it was his first game action. There's absolutely no shame that he really – it's hard to imagine he would be anything other than that right now, especially when you have those legs to fall back on. But I think you're right that that's one thing that he's still going to be working through early in this season. Uh, what about Fromm? What did you see from him? Um, you didn't see too much, really. I mean, he didn't. I, um, you know, I thought he did well in his reads. The only one pass pass was probably you know the one where he threw on the run, trying to hit Swift on the. Uh, you know that throw could have been double coverage. Yeah, he did not need to throw that football. That shouldn't. Yeah, yeah, especially if you're playing a better team. You know that's a yeah. dangerous. Thing. Can't throw that ball. Yeah. yeah, I think he may be trying to force that. I don't know what what, what he was going was going through his mind there. It was a very unfrom like thing to do. Uh, in, the stand, in the stands there, I was like, okay, what? what, what? I mean, I'm trying to think about what were you looking at there. I'm not sure. Uh, I'm sure he had something he was going, he was looking at, but I'm not sure what it was there. Uh, I thought he was good. I thought he was looking in complete control as he should have, other than that that one uh, decision there, which I, I think he would probably want to take back if he if he uh, was asked that question. But uh, I, th- I thought he was in complete control of the game again, as he should have been, as, as a guy who's been through this now for a year and played in big-time moments. I do think he had that one bad read there. Uh, but I think both guys largely took what the defense was giving them. I don't think they forced too much, uh, with the exception of that, that throw by Fromm there. I think they were both very accurate. I mean, they combined to go 19-24. Fields was 7-8. of eight. They looked really good throwing the ball intermediate. And sometimes I know some people are like, oh, we're just little swing passes. 
hey, dude, some of those swing passes can be really tough to throw. You gotta well, put it. Right. You also gotta think about it too. What's the defense giving you? Yeah. They were stacking the box and also playing deep. So I mean, intermediate is where we had to go. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, and, and we took, and, and that's a sign. Uh, to me, I take that as a good sign. These guys are not gonna try to force things. They've been coached well. They're gonna take what the defense gives us. And uh, that's what the defense was giving us early in the game. And we took it, and we went down the field, and we scored with it. So uh, I think all in all, they played really, really well, both of them. Both of them had, you know, had moments where uh, – maybe a moment or two where it wasn't like eh, – wasn't like perfect. That's why I say A- minus of an A or A+. Plus. But, man, that's just really just – man, that's picking at hairs. I mean, that's – these guys were really, really good. Uh, there's not too much to pick on there. Uh, all right, let's go to uh, the running backs here. Stick with the offensive side of the ball. What grade do you give the running back unit from Saturday? Um, I think you got to go with B plus. Okay. See, I got an A. Tell me why a B plus. Why not an A? I mean, you know, like Kirby said, I mean, we had some nice running yards, but we also got to think uh, how much of it came from what. Uh, so you know, 70-yard D-Rob run? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, I went back and tallied out the numbers for our top four backs, um, and they combined, based on my calculations, could be wrong here, could be off a yard or two, uh, but I've got them combining for 145 yards on 20 plus, on 20 carries, which comes out to seven plus yards a carry. And I know I know it's Austin P. That that's a pretty good day at the office, though. I mean, 20 carries, 145 yards combined. They honestly didn't get that many opportunities. They really didn't. If you think about, it, I mean, the four guys combined. I'm talking about uh, Harrion, Holyfield, Swift, and James Cook. 145 yards on 20 carries, seven plus yards a carry. That that's a solid day. You th- throw in nine catches for 60 yards combined. That's a pretty solid day, um, but I, don't, I mean, I will say the reason I didn't go like A plus, and I consider going with an A minus. I would like to see some more explosive running plays, right? Yeah. Now, again, I know this is one game. This is one game, but Kirby and I, and I, I've heard this from a few people that even in the scrimmages, he was really kind of harping on the fact that we need to be more explosive in the running game. Obviously, that was huge for us last year. I mean, you just look, just go to that one Rose Bowl game and see how big those explosive running plays were for, were for us last year. Uh, so I would like to see us be a little bit more explosive, maybe uh, when when there is a, a sliver of daylight to kind of burst through and make something happen. But I think largely, the reason I went with an A, I think largely when these guys were given room, they made plays. They made they made things happen, and sometimes they made things happen when the when room wasn't there. Like Holyfield's touchdown run. I know he didn't really do much outside of that run, but that touchdown run. I mean, there really wasn't much to, to work with there. It was an, it was an inside zone. He completely cuts it back there. Shows great lateral agility, which is really his strength. He's not necessarily the fastest guy in the world, although he has good speed. But he's got great lateral quickness, and he really showed that off there and kind of raced to the end zone, the corner of the end zone, and got the touchdown. So. Uh, I, I think these. I think also you look at a guy like DeAndre Swift. Although he didn't bust one for like a, you know thirty, forty plus yard game, I thought he looked explosive. I thought, especially when he got the ball uh, on the, some of the swing passes, he exploded upfield. I thought they played really well, and I expect you get, expect these guys to have a pretty big game on Saturday in Columbia. Uh, all right, kind of connected with the off, with with the running backs is the offensive line. Obviously, these these two groups kind of go hand in hand. What grade did you give the offensive line from Saturday? Um, I go with a B. You know, I thought they did well in pass, uh, pass blocking, but you know there was uh, some pressure in times, especially in the run game. But more, you know, Austin Peay's guys were really shooting the gas and things like that. But I mean, still, you got. And they go were stacking with... the box, and, and many times they were outnumbering us. And that comes in where we were taking, we were taking what the defense was giving us, throwing those swing <laughs> passes and things of that nature. And really, when we were not really taking deep, we weren't. I mean, did we go play action and try to hit a deep ball at any point in the game? I don't remember one. Not that I recall. Yeah, not that I recall, and that's a and that's a big part of our game. I, I, we, again, we were being very vanilla. So when the defense knows that, hey, Georgia's not even trying to do that right now. Of course, you're going to sell against the run. And, and when you're outnumbered, it doesn't matter if you're Georgia's offensive line versus Austin Peace front seven or really front nine in, in a lot of cases. When you're outnumbered and there are guys just running free. Uh, sometimes they're going to be played stopped in line of scrimmage or for a one or two yard game. It's going to happen. It's just simple, simple math. Uh, so I went with a B plus. I gave them a slight higher grade than you did there. Uh, I think honestly, when you look at the numbers and a team run, when you run for 284 yards. Now, granted, there were 72 of those yards were D Rob's uh, speed sweep there. But when you run for 284 yards, it's hard to really go with anything less than an A or A plus. But I think here you have to factor in the level of competition, right? Yeah. I th- I really think that this is a team. I think you all would agree out there that we should have flat out dominated. Like we should have mauled them every single snap, and that just wasn't the case. Now, don't get me wrong; we still had our way with them for the vast majority of the game. But there were plenty of snaps. Again, sometimes they were outnumbering us, which is tough to deal with. Where 
we were not dominating and we were not getting uh, significant movement against a team that we should absolutely just destroy. Uh, and so because of that, I, I mean, just knock off a, a little a half a grade there and go down to a B plus. Um, I do think they were very good as, as a group, but there are things to work on. I thought left guard was solid. Obviously, we started with Solomon Kinley. Uh, then you've got Trey Hill. Were you surprised to see Trey Hill come in as that number two left guard there? I actually was because, in my opinion, we didn't see much Baker with the we first, I, first Is Baker essentially third string now? I mean, is that... That's what I was trying to figure out. I mean, I really couldn't tell. Yeah, and again, it's one game. I don't know. Maybe there's an injury we don't know about. I don't, I don't know. But he was out there. It just wasn't much. Um, so it, it's surprising. And you and I said all along that we thought that Kendall Baker's left guard spot was probably the most – he was the most vulnerable returning starter to have his spot taken, right? Yeah. We were pretty open about that. I just didn't know if he if, – if, honestly, at first I thought he would still start game one, and then maybe as the season progressed on he might lose that spot. And I certainly didn't necessarily see him moving back to potentially third string, which is what it seems like right now, because Trey Hill came in early in that game. He really did. He came in early. Uh, what did you think of Trey Hill at that left guard spot? Um, I thought he was good. You know, he's still – he's got a way to go. I mean, he's still got a lot sure. He's still a young guy. Uh, I think he held his own for the most part. Yeah, so I think with, with Trey – I actually thought he did better than Kinley. Kinley, once uh, again, yeah, you know, I know. stuck to what he's always done. is very interesting. There's times where he's a huge hole. Yeah. Other times he's just lazy and slow. That's exactly what I have in my notes here. I thought – that's why I said that for me, left guard was solid. The, the two guys rotating there primarily with, with, with Kenley and Hill, they were solid, but there was not consistent push there. There were there were times, like you said, where we would get great push there, and we were opening up massive holes, but there were times where we were just getting stoned right at the line, and that can't happen against Austin P. That simply cannot happen. Maybe once or twice, okay, whatever, but it happened far too often, uh, far more than it should have happened against this team at that position. Uh, so nothing to be, like, too alarmed about there, but if there's one spot in that line to still look at and be at least mildly concerned, I think would be that left guard spot. Uh, what did you think of Isaiah Wilson getting his first start at right tackle? How did he look to you in this game? I thought he held his own for the most part, honestly. I mean, there's one uh, guy at the time where the guy, you know, got some pass rush, but Wilson also, you can see the long arms where he kept the guy at bay and made him go, you know, quite a way around him. I thought him and Cleveland, uh, were get, when the ball was run behind them, I thought they were getting pretty consistent moves. They, Those yeah, guys, they were definitely getting the best push in the run. Game. Yeah, there was some good push there on the right side of that line, which is to – I mean, that's not surprising to me. Those two are massive human beings, and that's kind of why they're in there. Uh, there were two plays I can count on the top of my head where I saw Wilson get beat on inside moves, um, and, the, and both times resulted in the quarterback getting flushed out of the pocket. It wasn't anything that killed us, and we were still able to make a play. But, look, this is Austin P. all right? When you get against, you know, maybe an LSU in a couple weeks, you saw uh, Chase on out there. Those kind of guys, the way they can rush the passer, and they, you know they're going to try some of those inside moves on Wilson, especially if Austin P had, had at least some success against him doing that. He's got to get a little better there, but running the football, him and Cleveland, that that's a tough combo for anyone to have to deal with on that right side of our line. But uh, I do think he, he got beat a couple of times on those inside moves. Ben Cleveland I thought was good. I thought, I thought Cleveland looked really good for the most part. But, again, I'm just picking at straws here. I know. Uh, Cleveland, there were a couple of times where I thought he was a step slow getting off the ball and trying to cut off the backside linebacker pursuit. There's a couple of times there where he, where he did not get to that backside linebacker like he needed to, which presented us from springing a couple of big runs in the first half. But uh, still, again, picking at straws, you know, it's just, there's, I'm grasping, picking at straws, grasping at straws, just trying to find something to, to kind of look at that we need to improve on. But I thought the line as a whole was really good. But still, like you said, not exactly perfect. A few things to work on, especially as we head into a huge SEC matchup here in Columbia this weekend. All right, one more position group here on the offense. We're going to go wide receivers and tight ends. What did you see from this group? Um, I go A minus, and that's only because I thought, I thought everyone else played well, except you know, there were a couple blocks where the tight ends didn't do well. I've got an A because of that exact thing. I really, at first, I went A+. Plus when I, 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 to be honest with you, I was first looking at this just at wide receivers. If, it was, if this was just wide receivers, I would go A+. Plus. But you throw in the tight ends, which the tight ends did well. Nauta had a touchdown catch. You know, uh, I think we had, it, I think uh, Warner had a catch and Luke Ford had a catch late in the game. Uh, but there were a couple of plays, Nauta in particular, where he did not sustain his block long enough. Um, it wasn't like he was getting blown off the ball or anything like that, but he's got to do a better job of sustaining against some of these teams, especially when you're trying to get the ball in the perimeter. Uh, even some on the on some of the inside runs where he was he just couldn't sustain the block, the guy would crash in there and and, and really kind of blow up that run. So it, it's not like it happened to every single play, but there were a couple of times. You're right, I noticed that a couple of times where he's just got to work on that. So that drops down to an A, but 
outside of that, I mean, I thought the wide receivers and the tight ends uh, in general did a great job blocking. Really, the wide receivers out there in the perimeter did a really nice job. I didn't see any drops. Am I missing anything? Was there a drop that I'm just not remembering? Not, not that I remember, no. Yeah, so I, no drops, which is really big. We didn't throw the ball a ton, but still, no drops when they got opportunities. I thought they did a good job of getting open, whether it was zone coverage and selling in that zone, beating man coverage. I thought we did a really nice job getting open across the board, and we hit some big plays. Uh, obviously, the, the play to Miko was huge. Where I mean, dude, and talk about turning on the afterburns. I mean, were you there when that play happened? Were you still? In, yeah, you were I was, still there. I was yeah. Very with that one, yeah. yeah, and that actually, where you're it came right at you, right? Didn't it? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, he caught the ball. He basically settles in the zone. Nobody picks him up. Good read by Fromm. And then when he gets the ball, he turns up field, and he just splits those two defenders and absolutely just leaves them in the dust, like no chance to touch him. And that's the kind of thing I think we're going to be seeing a lot of this year for Miko Harbin. I think this guy's going to be in for a huge year. Didn't get a ton of catches, ton of opportunities, but, man, he made the most of that one. So a couple big plays. Uh, and, look, I know it was in a running play, but D-Rob with the, with the 72-yard touchdown run, huge play there. Uh, Tyler Simmons also had another big run on a very similar, essentially the same play. Uh, so I thought these guys did a good job. They're physical like Kirby likes. Uh, and, I, I mean, there's just a ton of them out there. I mean, we're rotating guys in and out. And that was without Terry out there, without Jason Stanley, without Kyrus Jackson. So I think you add some of those guys in the mix, each of those guys plays a role, especially Terry Godwin, then uh, I think this group is only going to get even better, which is hard to believe because they, they look really good to me in game one here. Now we'll see against the SEC competition next week, but I really liked what I saw overall from the wide receiver tight end group. All right, let's flip it over and let's go to the defensive side of the ball here for a few minutes. And uh, let's start up front on the defensive line. What grade do you give our defensive line, Kurt? Um, I'm probably going to go with a B-. minus. I thought that Julian played very inconsistent. Which is Julian's M.O., honestly, going dating back to last year. Uh, and I mean, what does that mean for the for the rest of this year moving forward if he was inconsistent against a team like Austin P. Um, It's, it's nerve-wracking. Yeah, it, it's concerning, to say the least. I mean, and it's crazy. It's Julian had moments where it's like, okay, that's what we need to see. If you can do that 95, 90, 95% of the time, we are going to be really good up front. But he right now he doesn't do it that consistently. He's just got he's got to get better at that. I don't know if it's a, a conditioning thing. I mean, I know he's got his weight down. He looks good. He looks as good as he's looked in a long time from a physical standpoint, but... There's just times, man, I don't know if he's tired or what it is, but he just does, like, he'll do it, he'll do it perfectly, and then it's like, dude, what just happened? Are you the same player out there? Uh, but look, the defensive line, I'm going to go with a B-plus here. Um, I thought they were good. Uh, this is a running team. Let's not forget that Austin P actually ran for more yards than we did last year. I know the competition's obviously very different, different level, but still, they were they are a team that runs the football. That is their identity, and we kept them to under 100 uh, yards rushing the football. I think it was 91 total yards, about three yards a carry. So we kept them in check as we should have because this is Austin P. All right, I don't care if they run the ball well in the FCS; they should not be running the football for over 100 yards on us, and they didn't. We kept them in check there. However, I couldn't go higher than a B plus. Because I, I don't think we were we were overly disruptive, were we? No. I, I just I think we had three tackles for a loss. I think uh, two of those were defensive linemen, so we weren't overly disruptive, which has kind of been like. And part of that is by scheme, you know. Some of it was when we're doing some two gap stuff, we're not doing the one gap penetrating type thing. We're trying to read the the blockers and read where the running backs going. So it, some of that's by design. Some of it is, but not all of it. Um, and I don't think we got a ton of pressure. They didn't pass the ball much. They threw it 21 total times, so they didn't throw it much. But when they did throw it, I don't think we were getting a ton of push uh, up the middle there. We were, I don't think we were doing a great job of collapsing the pocket, at least not consistently enough against a team like Austin P. But overall, we did hold the point of attack. We held them to under 91 yards. Did this nice, solid job. They didn't rip off any huge games. They didn't see anybody just get blown off the ball. Um, so... While not perfect, I still think um, a, a good day for the defensive line out there against Austin P. Now this next one, Kurt, I do have a couple things to say about this. And if you guys have been listening to the show for the past couple of months or longer, you know how I feel about the inside linebacker crew this year. I've made that pretty pretty clear to the offseason. Uh, but I'm going to let you start us off here, Kurt. What grade do you give our inside linebackers from that first game? I'm just going to go straight B. I thought as a whole, B. You know, I mean, I'm just being generous. Um, I think oh, is that, a, is that a B or a D? A B. B, okay, gotcha. The one thing that really stuck out to me is just how slow Juwan Taylor was. I thought Monty, you know, when the both of them were in there, Monty was coming from the – it felt like I was watching 
like a Roquan Reggie thing where Reggie was getting to the ball slow and Roquan was almost beating him from the other side. And that's what I saw with Juwan Taylor a lot. Juwan was be getting over there and Monty was almost beating him to the play from the other side. And I think that's one thing that definitely showed me is Juwan is not the answer. I mean, I know he's up class and everything, but he's definitely, and he's, you know, supposedly being a leader, which is good and everything. We need him, but he's definitely not the answer inside linebacker. I want to stick there for a second because what you hear from some people when talking about Juwan Taylor is that he is the guy that has really good speed in our linebacker crew. You seem to disagree with that. You don't see him as a guy that has great speed because a lot of people try to point that out as his his primary attribute that he brings well, to the table. Well, if he's had great speed, then he must have been really hurt because he showed nothing. I, yes, on Saturday. I think he here's what I think with Juwan Taylor. I think he has good speed. Okay, I don't think he's great. Maybe special. he doesn't have great decision making. Whatever it is, he was really slow getting. No, I, I don't disagree with you. I don't, I think I think he's stiff. That's my thing with him. I think I don't think he turns his hips well. So that that that, and I, I know it's only a split second, but that split second can be the difference between him making the play for a two yard gain and a guy breaking through for a long gain. Uh, I think he's really stiff, moving silent, moving left to right. I think once he opens his hips and gets moving, he's got good solid speed. I start, he's not close to Roquan level type speed, but I mean, look, we don't really have anyone that's going to do that right now. Uh, at least guys are in this rotation. But I think he's really stiff, and that's not something you want in your inside linebacker. Uh, I, I don't think you're really too far off in your assessment. Over, I, I actually have him a little lower than you. I wanted to go with a C, but I went ahead and went with a B plus again as we held this team for not, to 91 yards rushing. I mean, are we doing just inside linebackers? Just inside linebacker. All right, because, all right, yeah. So you're still, well, you're, I, here, I think the thing is, you know, especially in the second group, um, you know, Tay, he made a couple nice plays. The one play sticks out to me was where he uh, didn't pick the guy up come in motion yeah. and let the guy catch the ball in the flats for about a 25-yard gain. Yeah. And Natrez, he missed a couple tackles, but I thought, he, you know, he, he Natrez is – or Natrez was Natrez as typical. I mean, he, he, he did know, what Natrez has always done. Yeah, I mean, which is which isn't saying in a bad way. We're just saying that we know who he is and what kind of player he is. Natrez is a tweener. This is what I see. Like, Natrez is not quite big enough to play on the defensive line, right? Because we were coming out of high school, he was a defensive end more or less. He was a pass rusher. Yeah, he he's, was. He's not, and, and then we train we 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 put him out at inside linebacker pretty early on. Once he got here, we transitioned to that position. But honestly, he's just not big enough to consistently hold up on the defensive line. But he's not really like quite. While he's an athletic guy, don't get me wrong, he's athletic for that size, but he's not athletic and fast enough to really be a dominant inside linebacker, is he? No. So that's the problem with Natrez. He's just a tweener. He's a good player, and I'm glad we have Natrez, but it's just he doesn't exactly fit perfectly anywhere on our defense, and I think that's one of the reasons why you saw him. I don't don't know exactly what's going on with why he was with the second team when he's been a starter for a year plus. I I have to say, you know, I was talking to some people. I think one thing that really sticks out – is they don't know who is going to step up between Juwan and Monty. They're trying to push, especially in a game like this, they're just trying to push him to see who will step up. Well, if I had to pick in, in that one thing, I would say Monty had a, a much better game. I think he's oh, I don't clearly think there's the, any question yeah. Monty was definitely yeah. the better uh, guy. And, and it's one game, but I mean, that, that's not just this game. I'm talking about spring practice, open practice. Monty's always flashed more to me than, than Juwan Taylor has. Even going back to last year when these guys got some playing time, we had injuries at inside linebacker. I mean, Reggie Carter had a concussion and – Natures have his issues. I mean, look, with inside linebacker, I honestly really thought about going to C here. Because I, I thought, I honestly, I just think this group is pretty average. And to me, C is average. But, again, we held this team to 91 total yards rushing. And the linebackers are a part of that. So I went with a B minus. And I don't want to go too crazy here. Because it was just one game. I understand that. But what I saw on Saturday confirmed everything I have seen from these guys up to this point. Is that fair to say at this point? Yeah, I mean, it just kind of confirmed what I had already seen in the past. I was hoping maybe they would improve. Maybe I was wrong. Maybe my eyes deceived me at some point. But what I saw on Saturday just kind of confirmed everything I have seen from these guys up to this point. The way I would describe this, going back to a guy that we had last year, I'd make this analogy. And God bless Reggie Carter's soul. God, this guy never got in trouble. He always played hard. He did things the right way. Love this guy. But Reggie Carter was not a great inside linebacker. I mean, he he, he just – and it's nothing, nothing that he did wrong. He just – didn't quite have, and he was really Reggie in some ways, almost like a tweener, kind of like nature. It's not as bad as nature, not like as much of a tweener as nature is. But I, I think Reggie Carter was was an average linebacker for us, and it was a, it, to me it was a miracle that we got as far as we do with him playing so many downs at inside linebacker. I guess when you have Roquan next to you, it kind of makes up for a lot. But we basically right now in our top four linebackers that we're rotating with, with Joan Taylor, Monty Rice with the first group on Saturday, and then Natrez and Tay Crowder in the second group. We rotate those four guys almost all game long, 
And to me, and tell me if you disagree, Kirk, because maybe I'm just completely off base here, but I think we basically have four Reggie Carters in our rotation right now. Is that fair? Uh, pretty fair, yeah. I mean, I, I would say Reggie's actually better than a couple of those guys. I think Reggie's better than than uh, clearly better than Tay Crowder was. Obviously, he's playing over him. Tay's more athletic, but he doesn't have the mindset. Tay doesn't. Tay has no feel for that position. Is is my issue? I, and look, he, he's been playing for a couple years now, but he he had to transition from running back, from receiver to running back, and then from running back to linebacker, and he's still kind of trying to feel out that position. You can clearly tell. Uh, and we just have, the problem is we have no one even remotely close to Roquan Smith. And obviously, we're not going to have Roquan Smith. I don't expect any of them to be Roquan. But we need someone to step up and be closer to Roquan than Reggie Carter, right? Yeah. And, like, we don't have – honestly, off this one game, as small of a sample size as it is, I don't know if we have anyone that's going to even come remotely close to what Roquan gave us last year. I mean, the, no one's going to be Roquan. But, like, we need someone that can kind of do some of the things that Roquan did, and we just – we don't have that right now. Like, to me, the four guys that we trust to execute our system, the guys who played the majority of the, of the time yesterday, uh, or I'm not, sorry, on Saturday, uh, those four guys that we trust to execute our system, they aren't elite from a physical standpoint. And the guys that are elite from a physical standpoint, the guys like Quay Walker and Channing Tindall and maybe even Nate McBride, the coaches don't trust those guys yet, and uh, they appear to be a good ways away. Because, I mean, I thought Quay Walker get a little bit more playing time than he did. He didn't play until late. Um, and Tindall didn't really play much until later in the game as well. So, I mean, I, that's, to me, th- this is the conundrum we face, right? Like, we have these guys that our coaches trust to know what to do, but they are physically elite. The guys that are physically elite and can be just absolute stud playmakers are not ready from a mental perspective at this point, and that's a problem. <laughs> I, this is the one position right now that I am truly concerned about. And it's not just this one game. It's every. I mean, this is part of it. This kind of confirms everything, like I said. But, man, I am I am concerned. This is by far my biggest concern on this team right now. And I'm not saying the guys that we're putting out there are scrubs. I'm not saying that Monty's a scrub and that Jawan's a scrub. I'm not saying that. And Nature is not a scrub. These guys are good players. A lot of teams would be happy to have them. But they just aren't elite players. And I think if we had like if we had a guy like Roquan next to them, whoever was playing next to Roquan would be fine. If if Roquan was back this year and we had Jawan playing, playing there, we'd be fine. If Roquan was back, we had Monty Rice playing there, we'd be fine. But we don't have that one dude. We do not have that alpha male inside linebacker right now that's ready to play. The guys that we have just are not elite players. They're good players. They're just not elite. And I'm afraid they might not be national championship caliber. And to me, that's concerning. That That is something that I am going to be watching very closely uh, throughout the entire season, especially the next couple of weeks as the competition starts to ramp up. Uh, would you, uh, Would you? Re- I think kind of what you agree with this earlier, but you would still say Monty is the best of the bunch right now? Um, de- uh, definitely between the one two that started. Would you say Natchez over all four of them? Uh, I think that you got to look in their own skill set. I mean, Natrez fits with the, like what he played last year, and Natrez can't fit into Roquan's role. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I it also depends on what yeah. role you're asking. I know. Well, that's the thing is, like, I think Monty and Natchez might be our two best linebackers. Yeah, I mean, if but I'm they're both mics. Yeah, and, well, yeah, and that's the thing. Yeah, they're both Mike linebackers, and that's that's a problem. That is a problem. I, I do think my, either Monty or Natchez is the best of the bunch. I might go with Monty right now as a pure linebacker. I think he's really, really good between the tackles, and he has he has good speed. But he's a slight a slight step slower than what we need against elite competition right now. And I know we didn't we have, we might not play elite competition for a while, but we'll get there at some point. And I don't know if he's fat, I don't know if he has the speed to really hold up against those kind of players in space. Uh, I mentioned Tate Crowder. He's just really hesitant in my mind. He takes poor angles to the ball. He really just does not appear to have a great feel for that position still. I mean, and part of it because he hasn't played a ton like in actual games. So maybe these guys get some more some more downs under their belt and they play a little bit more. Maybe they'll get better. I hope. I mean, I really am hoping. I, I don't like saying these things, but these I, I want these guys to be good. And I, I appreciate everything they've done. It's just I don't – I'm just trying to be as objective and honest as possible. And I just don't know if I see it. And, you talked about Taylor there. I mean, he's got – I think he's got good speed when he does flip his hips, but he's got some stiffness in there. And I think he gets eaten up between the tackles sometimes. And talk about nature as being a, cle- uh, a a classic tweener there. So, I don't know, man. As a group, I think this this group is a, a step slow making their reads. And when you already lack elite speed athleticism, I think that's going to be a problem against better teams. It's just – and maybe I'm just making things up. But it, it, it definitely – it's something that's concerning me. All right, let's move to the outside linebackers here. What grade would you give our OLBs? Um, 
I'm going with a C plus. Oh, okay. That's way below what I got. Tell me why you got a C plus. I thought they really did poorly at holding the edge. Okay. Was there anyone in particular that you had an issue with? Walter Grant. Oh, okay. Uh, see, Walter Grant's an interesting guy for me because he's not a big dude, is he? No. And I think that's where he can struggle. That's what, I think Britton Cox is going to be a guy who's much more effective in that I thought, role. I mean, that's, from the starters, I give him a C. I mean, I thought Britton Cox played better. Well, just uh, talk about the group as a whole. If you if you throw them all in there, all the guys who got some playing time, you still going to go C? The maybe C a B minus. Okay, okay. I got a B plus here. Um I think they did a good job defending the run. I, I agree with you that right now Walter Grant is a he's a guy that he does a really good job in his in his role playing in that star position. Kind of what what Lorenzo did last year, right? But when he has to play up there on the line and set the edge, I don't I, I he's a little he's a little light in the britches right now. I mean just to put it bluntly, but he is. I don't know if he has the, the weight and the strength right now to consistently hold up in that position. I think Britton Cox is a guy who can do that much more effectively right now. So I really think the way those guys are used could very much be game plan specific, depending on what team we're, pl- we're playing. Because I think Grant's a little more athletic, especially out in space, than a guy like Britton Cox right now. But Cox certainly has a little bit more power to hold up against the run. Uh, I thought that DeAndre Walker played pretty well. Oh, yeah, DeAndre Walker played. I mean, that, dude, that dude's a stud. He did what we expected out of him. Yeah, I mean, he was he was setting the edge well. Uh, there a couple of times he got a little pressure on the quarterback. Didn't, didn't actually get a sack, but he got some pressure at times. He played in space, you know, dropping a coverage a couple of times. Uh, I thought he looked really natural and fluid out there. So I liked what I saw from DeAndre Walker, and I expected him to have a huge year. But I got a, I got a B-plus here. Uh, there were no sacks, but, I mean, let's, let's be real. They only threw the ball 21 times, and when they did throw it, they were trying to get the ball out of their hands quickly. They were not dropping back and trying to throw the ball down the field. They were really just trying to – Basically trying to keep our defense honest. So overall, I thought a good job defending the run. I thought Brent Cox really flashed at times, and you can just see the talent oozing out of that guy. He's going to be a monster before it's all said and done, and maybe sooner rather than later. We're going to be very interested to see how he develops early in this season because we are going to need him. I have a, a strong sense that we will definitely need him early on here. But I thought it was a pretty good day for the outside linebackers. Not perfect, not nothing really overly spectacular, but solid, very solid. And we'll wrap it up here with our grades with the secondary. We'll throw in the corners and the safeties together here. Kurt, what grade would you give our defensive backs as a whole? Oh, I'm going to go A-. minus. I thought they played pretty solid. Uh, I don't think there was anything that really stood out to me that frustrated me. Um, I think you also got to uh, you know give a shout-out to two people in particular in the defensive backfield. Uh, Tyson Campbell with his first-ever start. And I also want to say um, that I thought uh, – D'Angelo Gibbs played really well. Oh, I think he dude. played a lot better than William Poole. Yes, you're foreshadowing what I have to say about D'Lo. Uh, man, D'Lo played really well. Like, I think he's I think he's going to take that job, like, pretty quickly. Yeah, I mean, especially when he was coming up and stopping the run. I mean, it was – he was uh, – and then even in the pass game, he was just – he was punishing people. He – I think D'Angelo Gibbs reminded us why he was such a highly rated recruit at one point. Uh, that dude can play. And I think he's got his – maybe it seems like he's got his head on straight now. Uh, just took some adjustment, adjusting his first year, and I think I'm just gonna say thank God that dude did not get kicked, actually get kicked off the team because I think he's gonna be very good for us this year and also in in future years as well. I'm really high on what I saw from D'Angelo Gibbs. This is gonna be a monster. Uh, yeah, so good call there on D'Lo. I really liked what I saw from the secondary as a whole. Um, I thought we were very fast and physical against the run. Usually, when think about yeah, the secondary, there, was, there wasn't a lot of people like. You know where you're there, like you know, what do I do? I felt like they knew what they were doing. They're flying to the ball. Yeah, I mean, I, I, there, I would say with Campbell, there might have been a time or two where you, you could kind of see him looking around, like I don't know exactly what I'm doing, but it didn't cost us, right? Uh, and there was one play, I, I, I can't remember who it was. It was, it was bit, I think it was like a, a broken play, more or less. Guy streaking down the field, and Campbell kind of just chases him down from behind, and they almost made the play. But Campbell, had, again, kind of what Kirby said a couple of times about the preseason, he's got that makeup speed where he can make up for mistakes with his athleticism, that speed. And he caught up there. But I think for a guy out there, I mean, imagine the nerves being your first start like that as a true freshman in that environment. Uh, but I thought he played really well. Uh, he played fast. He played physical. I thought really everyone in the secondary played fast, and they played physical, especially against the run. You don't really think about that when you think about the secondary. Most people think about Yeah, that's one thing, too. I thought Campbell did well in playing the run. Yeah, I thought he did a really good job against the run. I thought D'Lo did a great job. Against, I mean, D'Lo was – dude, he was getting in people's face there, attacking blockers. I mean, God, he was – he was impressive. Uh, I also want to throw uh, some kudos to Richard LeCount, man. Like LeCount wasn't like he didn't have that one play where it just like was spectacular, 
But that dude, oh my Jesus Christ, how much ground can that guy cover? Whew, that guy just like, – he, he, he did this in the Notre Dame game last year. Remember that one play in the Notre Dame, Notre Dame game? Uh, he was playing the deep safety. Was, I think it was late in the game. He comes in. Yeah, it was in the fourth quarter. Right, it was in the fourth quarter. He, he wasn't even in the frame. And he comes out of nowhere and makes the play on the ball. And there were a couple of plays that I'm going back and watching the replay a couple of times already in the last day and a half here where the dude's not in the frame. You do not see Richard LeCount. And then all of a sudden, oh, my God, there he is making the play, coming out of nowhere. He is just – he is ungodly in the amount of ground that guy can cover. He has got great speed. He flies the ball. He hustles everywhere. Now, sometimes he comes out of control, and I have a sneaking suspicion uh, that at some point he's probably going to get a targeting call, and that's going to hurt us uh, because he just plays with that kind of physicality and that kind of aggression. I would like to see him maybe control it and check it a little bit more. I think Kirby's – that's one of the things Kirby's been talking about. But, uh, man, that guy comes up and su- runs support, and he, he he's, ready to, he's ready to hit somebody. And I, I really, really – think we're in good hands back there i think clearly in terms of talent like it's no contest with that is a major talent upgrade replacing dominic sanders with richard LeCount. now he might not know what to do every time like like sanders did or most of the time but i think man talent wise there's no contest there that guy's gonna be really really good i thought everybody, everybody back there played with a great motor uh there weren't really many obvious blown assignments that can get you beat uh, now there were there were a few missed checks there it seemed like but nothing crazy there. So overall, I was really pleased with what I saw from the secondary. In fact, I might go as far as saying the secondary was the best part of our defense. Yeah, and and I think some people, I think some people might be surprised by that coming into this game because we we're, we lost a lot in the secondary, um, a, a lot of veteran experience back there, and we're, we have a lot of young guys getting some serious, uh, meaningful snaps. And so I can see why that might be surprising some people. But I think honestly, based on what I saw, I thought as as a group, I thought they played better than any other unit on our defense in this one game. We'll see if that holds up. But this one game, I really liked what I saw. But all right, Kurt. Uh, so it was a great all-around effort, obviously. Anytime you can get a shutout, it's great. I mean, in this day and age, it doesn't matter who it is. If you can get a shutout with the way offenses have evolved over, over the past decade or so, it's great to get a shutout anytime you can. But who were your top three performers overall? A lot of great performances out there. But if you had to pick three guys that your top three performers, who would you go with? Um, Jake Fromm. Okay. Um, D'Angelo Gibbs. All right. And um, uh, the last one is tough. I'm I know. probably going to have to go with Campbell because I think just okay. as a freshman, he really played well. It, it was impressive to see what he was able to do out there in his first start. And I just want to give myself a pat on the back here. No, I'm just kidding. But uh, no, I was. I've been on. You know, I've been on Campbell for a while. I thought that, I thought that spot was wide open, and his length, his athleticism, his speed. I thought he had a really good chance. Of all the guys coming in this 2018 class, as, as highly touted as most of them were, I thought he was the one that had the best chance to start. And I didn't know if it'd be day one, but it turned out to be that way. Um, I got the first two. I, I I have this exact same two. I got Jake Fromm, D'Angelo Gibbs. Man, again, I just cannot say enough about D'Angelo Gibbs. I really think he, he's going to take that, that star position sooner rather than later. I thought he was good in coverage, which honestly was one of the things I, I'm, I've been concerned about him in the past. Because Think about last year. I think he was a little too heavy last year. And I think when, when he did get some time early in the year, I don't think he looked as quick and athletic as he had in the past, but he looked like he's gotten his weight down a little bit more. And he was so physical and aggressive against the run and run support from that star position. So I really I mean, liked what I saw from him. We don't know how much he was able to truly work out with that shoulder injury. So, I mean, worried as we all were with that injury and the surgery and all the uncertainty, um, it definitely looks like it's helped his career. Yeah, I, I, I would tend to agree with you there. Uh, and Jay Fromm, again, I thought, you know, again, outside of the one from the one play – uh, to me, Cole, nothing spectacular, but he looked in command. He was leading out there and did everything. He was accurate, did everything he was asked to do, didn't make any horrible decisions, anything like that that would cost us games. So I thought he did a really good job there. Uh, and Fields did great, too. Fields did great, too. I thought From obviously got just a little bit more time. And I'll take what I saw from From over Fields in this one setting. Uh, and then number three, I had a tough time with this one as well. Uh, I, I mean, I can't really fault you going with Campbell. That's a good pick. I went with Miko Hardman. I know he only had two catches on the day. But that one catch was just spectacular, and I think it really showcased what this guy is going to be able to do for us moving forward the rest of the season. I think he's going to be a big-time playmaker for us. I think that, I know that everyone's looking at, at uh, Demetrius Robertson being that guy for us, and, I, and I, I have high hopes for Demetrius Robertson as well. But let's not forget about Miko Harbin. I think this guy might have a bigger year than Demetrius. I think he might be our, our go-to guy as, as a receiver here throughout the years that progresses if he keeps doing things like that. I mean, he's clearly – him and D-Rob are on another level when it comes to explosiveness from that wide receiver position. All right, so top three there, and if you had to pick one guy to give your game ball to, who's it going to? Uh, I'm going to go with D'Angelo Gibbs. Yeah. I think that 
he just played so well. Yeah, I am too. And really just, it's a good story too. Because this guy, and let's be real, he would, like, there was a really good chance he was not going to be back with his team. There was a really good chance. From, from what I understand, J.R. Reed, his cousin, uh, really did a good job kind of mentoring him, counseling him, getting him back in the program, keeping him engaged. And, and, and also, I want to give credit to Kirby Smart. Kirby does not give up on these guys. I uh, think about with Jonathan Ledbetter with some of the issues he had a couple years ago, and look what kind of leader he's grown into. Uh, and Kirby did not give up on him. And he, you know, it would be very easy to say, you know what, you, you messed up, you're out of here. But no, this guy he truly takes the uh, the idea you're molding young man. He takes that to heart, and now he doesn't make it easy on them. He makes them earn it, and he makes them feel it when they do mess up, but he doesn't give up on them. He knows what being on a team like this can do for a young man. So got, got to give some kudos to Kirby for handling this the right way. Got to give a lot of props to Gibbs for, for doing what it took to get back on this team because from what I understand, especially with the, yeah, the surgery and then there's some issues. We don't know exactly what the issues were, but there were some issues there. Um, and he did a great job just kind of getting back uh, into good graces and doing the right things and, and kind of just taking his punishment and moving forward. And I, now I think he's poised to really help us out a lot this year. So I think you're dead on with, with Gibbs there. Great story. All right. Well, that does it for us here today on the Glory UGA podcast. Just a reminder that if you want to listen to the remainder of our shows this week, you need to subscribe to our podcast on Podbean for only $2 a month. You can do that by clicking on the link on our Twitter profile and look for the yellow buy now button there to scroll down a little bit. And uh, we're going to do our best to make it worth your time. If you do go ahead and take that jump and subscribe to our show, we will have a midweek mailbag episode uh, and game preview and picks episodes exclusive for our subscribers for the rest of this week. And we will have our next free episode on SoundCloud and iTunes next Monday with our South Carolina recap show. Hopefully we'll have some positive things to talk about. It's uh, going to be a tough game, but hopefully we'll be able to do enough to get that W on the road in Columbia. So thank you guys for listening to and supporting our show. We really cannot thank you enough. For Curtis, I'm Tyler, and as always, go dogs.